But this is a week that I've been looking forward to for months. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? For a church, it's kind of like school. Uh, this is kind of the kickoff to our calendar year. This is a new start. In, it's New Year's uh, in September. That's the way we look at this. It's fresh. And we're going to start some new things. And we have new emphasis. We have new experiences, new opportunities. It's an exciting time. And so I said, I don't want to miss this week. i got to be here. We are starting uh, a new teaching series. And it's called The Fellowship of the King. Uh, and it's going to be all about being and growing as and making disciples of Jesus. That's going to be our focus, okay? And so that's where we're going to take some time to go back over the basics of who we are and why we are here, because sometimes we get lost on those things. So making disciples, that's why we exist. That's why Into One is here. It's, it's what we're about, and we talk in our language a lot about how to grow faith. And we're trying to do that, but another way of saying is that is that we're trying to grow disciples. We are trying to help people begin their faith journey and then grow into ever-increasing levels of faith and trust and devotion to Jesus. We're asking for your life to change, and we're asking that you would be an active participant in that. That's why we're on earth. That's why we're still here. That's why we're still waiting on earth, because our God is patient, and he does not want anyone to perish. And we work together in partnership with him to declare as often as we can and as many ways as we can that God loves you and that he is eager to build a trust relationship with you. So that means you don't need to be alienated from God. You don't need to be afraid of God. You don't have to try and hide from God. He's not mad at you. He loves you. This partnership that we are in with our Heavenly Father is our mission that He gave us. It's the commission that Jesus gave us right before He returned to heaven. We invite as many people as possible to come and to join us, and then we try to work together to help them become more like Jesus, to help us become more like Jesus. We want to help you become more like Jesus. And here's something that you need to think about. The whole world is united in their desire for us to succeed in that mission. That is not trying to make people Christian. It's trying to make you more like Jesus. Regardless of what people believe, even if they're non-Christian, when we say that at our church what we're trying to focus on is to help people become more like Jesus, even an atheist would agree that's a good plan. Frankly, we would love it if all of you folks would become more like your Jesus. And whether you're Christian or not, everyone is cheering for us in that regard. We're all here to work in partnership with the Holy Spirit to become the best version of ourselves. But in this series, we're not just talking about us as individuals. But in this series, we're going to look at um, how we as a community, how we as a church can become the very best version of ourselves. How can Into One become the best version 
of ourselves together. So we're going to look at uh, this cycle or this process or this development plan. And in many cases, the story of your interaction with Jesus begins with us trusting in the truth of Christ. So that was my, my bang for my trust word. We are trusting that through the cross, Christ has accomplished for us things um, that religion f- tries to but fails to do. Jesus accomplishes these things and he offers them as a free gift. There's something incredibly irreligious and filled with grace about the cross. It's the last sacrifice. It's God saying, no more of that. This is now done for you. All you have to do is trust that it's true. That's beautiful. A beautiful message, a beautiful good news message. We trust and then we grow. As disciples of Jesus, we begin to mature in our faith. We begin to become more like Christ. We trust and we grow and then we give. Our growth should lead to giving. We don't just um, grow, we learn to give back. We want to give back in relationships with other people. We want to help other people grow. We want to give financially. We want to give with our time. We want to give with our volunteerism. We are committed to generously giving of our time, our treasure, and our talent. We want to give relationally. We don't want to just take. We want to give. This is part of the spirit of Christ that grows with inside us. And so today, I need to draw your attention to something. We need some people to give. Oh, great. We're going to get into that, are we? Um, Norm and Lisa Mitchell have been serving in a vital role in our kids' church basically since there was a kids' church. From the very beginning, they've been doing that. And they need to step back and focus on a much more specific role for the next little while. So we have a specific need for some kids' workers. We need some teachers and we need some assistants. We need to make sure that we have adequate coverage when people go down right now. Um, But going forward, if we don't have some new teachers, leaders, helpers, we're going to have to start by moving kids' church to just two weeks in the month. We have the possibility of incredibly flexible scheduling. You don't have to be on every week. You don't have to be on every other week. It can be every uh, once a month or once every six weeks. We can, we can move that, but we need to have this adjustment, and we need it right away. We prayed last week. We did the blessing of our bags, and we specifically called our students up, and we had them here, and we prayed a blessing upon them, and that blessing that we asked for God to give is partially the responsibility of the church to give as well. You can be part of the blessing that we need for those kids going forward. So what we're going to do is I wanted to draw that to your attention. I want to thank you for your caring. I want to trust God to provide. I'm going to ask that you would do the same thing. You say, is this something that I can participate in once every six weeks, once a month? Whatever your schedule is, we can work with that. And so I'm praying that you will do that also. So we're going to start by trusting that God um, saves us and continues to save us. We're going to grow in our knowledge. We're going to grow in our faith. And that growth is going to take us to a place of giving where we are free with our time, treasure, and talent. And then after we do those things, we're going to go. We also want to move out from just the church circle and invite others to join that circle. 
This process isn't just linear. It's not just trust, grow, give, go. But it can, it can happen in different ways. It doesn't have to happen sequentially. You can, you can start at any one of those places just because that's the way things worked out. It can happen in any order, and then it can jump between things. There will be times when it seems like we're doing all of the above, but we, we, we also want to take the time to invite others in. So the beauty of this discipleship plan is this, this plan about growing devotion to Jesus, this road trip in earnest pursuit of Christ, is that it works with whatever is happening in your life. The Holy Spirit is really the one driving your development and not some set of classes or programs that we have set up for you. Now that means that just like the Christian life is not simply about following a set of rules, it's starting to discern what the Holy Spirit is saying, that you're going to have to intentionally grow in your openness to discerning what the Spirit is prompting you to do, and then you're going to need to practice doing that. Now, we don't control this process. We try to assist and to point to and to prepare each other for the developments that will come. So our faith development plan that we talk about on a regular basis, we talk about it in terms of our five faith catalysts. We can't give you faith, but we're trying to create an environment wherein faith or trust grows. And we do it by focusing on these five ideas that happen to all start with P. We've found that these five things exist in the story of anyone who has started to say, I really sense a growing transformation in my life. My, my long-term faith shows these things. And so we try to highlight those. And those are practical teaching, private disciplines, personal ministry, providential relationships, and pivotal circumstances. You think back over your life if you are a maturing follower of Jesus, and I think you'll be able to find a spot where each of these things show up. So we try to provide that welcoming atmosphere for the Holy Spirit. You're welcome here to move as we need you. And we try to highlight these things to remind you that you are always on a mission. And then we release you to go in the grace and the power under the ministry of the Holy Spirit to trust, to grow, to give, and to go. And we do all of these things together. We're not just trying to be a bunch of people who are hiding in caves, reading their Bibles, trying to figure out what the heck we're supposed to do without any consultation. You've got more than one lifeline here. You have an entire community through which you might discern together. And togetherness unites us in this whole process. So one of the fascinating results of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus, one of the evidences of the gospel at the time of Christ was that he brought together two groups of people who had never been unified in the history of history. He brought them together and he made them family. Not just friends, he made them family. That was the Jews and everybody else. It was the Jews and what they called the Gentiles. And there was so much about the Jewish faith that intentionally kept them separate. And when you look at the Old Testament pattern, the Jews were called to be the light of the world. And they were called to do that by living differently and showing everyone else the ethical light of Yahweh. But whenever they commingled, whenever they got 
too friendly with the nations around them, it seemed to work in reverse. Rather than being the light of the world, they became influenced by the pagan nations. And that's why God sent prophet after prophet after prophet to the people of the Old Testament saying, you need to be separate from. You are not being influencers. You're being influenced by. The mission is compromised. And so there is so much embedded with the Hebrew religion that keeps them separate from Gentiles, the Goyim, the nations around them. When Jesus comes on the cross, according to Ephesians chapter 2, he not only dies for our sins, he dies for our religion and abolishes the dividing wall of hostility contained within the law of Moses, within the Torah, um, in, in the rules and the regulations that were designed to keep separate. Jesus tears down that wall so that there can be a one new humanity coming together. And this, this was the first century sociological miracle that the gospel accomplished, a tangible, physical witness to the people around of the power to change that the gospel had. And certainly the gospel is good news for what Jesus does for us as individuals within our hearts and in our minds, but it's also what it does to us in our relationships. It's what he does for us together as a church, as the church, as a family of faith. It's diversity, learning how to live together. One of the greatest miracles of the gospel is that. The coming together because we, let's be honest, we don't always start out liking each other very much, do we? There's all kinds of places that we know that we're separate and different. Now, it's no surprise to you that the church over the centuries has lost its way. For time after time, we lose our way. And in the name of Jesus, we would slaughter anyone who disagreed with us, even if they called themselves a Christian. Not that there's really any better or worse way or version of slaughtering people who disagree with you, but we did it to even people who called, us, called themselves by the same name. And it's tragically fascinating where you can have two groups or more people who say, I want to follow Jesus. And then out of that, you get one person who says, I believe in this beautiful unity that Jesus died to bring us, but I'll kill you if you disagree with me, and I'll kill you on behalf of Jesus. He couldn't be here today, um, so he couldn't do it himself, so he left me in charge of all the killing. And that's what our history has been. That has been the history of the church. We have so much to repent of. We have so much to grow into. And the resolution of that story is a part of the birth narrative of Into One. The emphasis of the New Testament is so much on togetherness, of this radical diversity coming together. It wasn't just the Jewish faith. Like the, the, the Romans had their gods and the Greeks had their gods. And let's be honest, they kind of look very similar. The Egyptians had their gods. The Assyrians had their gods. The gods were considered to be very tribalistic and very ethnically oriented all the way around. And that ancient view of deities, well, it still exists today in some places. That when you hear stuff like Jesus is the white man's God or Jesus is a Western God, he's not for here. 
So this beautiful coming together that happened was unprecedented. It was unparalleled. And somehow we need to recapture the transformative power of that gospel in the way that we live. Because our world needs us to recapture and embody that. Our country needs us to recapture and embody that. Our province needs us to recapture and embody that. Our town needs us to recapture and embody that. Our families need us to recapture and embody that. And when you read through the New Testament, which incidentally is a really good idea, you should do that. You should totally go and read this stuff. Read it in the long form, in its context, and discover what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. But when you read this stuff in the New Testament, you'll discover that there's a theme that the writers um, bring up repeatedly. It's not only how the gospel was accomplished, what did happen, but it's practical teaching about helping one another live that out. We're not just here to think about stuff. We're here to have transformation. Transformation changes the way that we think, and that necessarily means it changes the way that we behave. So there's nutty Christian words that started to come up like fellowship, or the, the Greek form of that would be koinonia, to have spiritually enriching friendships. If you read through the New Testament, again, you're going to find that there are lists and piles and constant repetition of these one anothering commands. It's like 59 different times that it comes up. Love one another. Serve one another. Carry one another's burdens. Be at peace with one another. Live in harmony with one another. Accept one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. And honestly, if you describe that as a place that you could be, those ideas sound great. They sound like a great place to be. That's a place that I want to be part of. That's the kind of transformative environment that we long to create, to bring to life here, in, into one. Will you Will you help us do that? Because it's not something that I can tell you. It's something that you must choose. Will you make that happen? This relates back to that, that give word that we talked about earlier on. Would you please give these things to each other? Would you give these things to me? Please. Almost half of the New Testament focuses in and around the ideas of how to live, how to one another, how to be together well. But apparently none of these things are self-evident. Apparently these things don't just ever happen by accident. Apparently these are not our default settings. And that's why we are here. And I hope that's why you are coming back or you have come back and that you will come back again and again so that you can get recalibrated so that you can absorb some new default settings. The New Testament is written to guide us into our proper vertical relationship with our Heavenly Father and to our proper horizontal relationship with one another. That's a great summary of the DNA, the ethos, the spirit, and the driving force behind into one. How are we going to embody this together?
you are essential. That's just one reason why it's better when you're here. Without you, it's not complete. Then there's this other wonderful word that's used in the New Testament, and it's translated as together or with one accord, uh, sometimes translated with one heart or with one mind. Depending on the translation you've got or the age of the translation, they go between those things. And this word primarily gets used in the book of Acts. But the Apostle Paul also uses it in Romans. And that's what we're going to look at today. So this is just one, I wanted to tell you, this is just one of the many, many passages that this concept, this word, this idea um, is mentioned. And it's what the New Testament is driving for repeatedly, okay? So start thinking about this. And don't answer this based on the country that you're a part of, or don't answer this for another country um, that's easy to talk about. Answer for yourself as a person. Of all the things, of all the ways that work to separate us, which are the ones that you struggle with most? So ethnic division or racial division, social division, economic division, moral division, political division, age and stage division, whatever else, whatever other kind of uh, divisions you can come up with, come up with what, are, what are the one or the two that you struggle with most, that you find that you want to separate? Where are those separation points that happen within you? And then we need to develop a hunger to see that separation point unified in Christ. And our culture has been um, fueled by division in so many ways. So I want us to take a little test right now together to gauge our unity, to gauge our diversity, to see what we can do to put these things together. So on the count of three, I want some participation from you. You can speak out, but speak out loudly, okay? Don't mumble. I want you to take a stand today so everyone will know. On the count of three, I want you to say Coke or Pepsi, okay? One, two, three. How are we going to get along? How are we going to get, did you hear that disparity? Let's take it a little bit deeper, a little bit more into the heart, okay? Music. Country music. Anything else, all right? <laughs> Country music or not, okay? One, two, three. Well, that was pretty unified. <laughs> that was pretty good. All right, deeper still, cutting your soul open, exposing it to those around you. Cats, dogs. Dogs, cats, or neither, if that's more the kind of person you are, okay? One, two, three. That was interesting there too. These are, these are important things. But this one, last one. This one, this one's going to cut even closer inside. This is the kind of thing that rips apart families. But I want you to be free in this place of forgiveness, of acceptance and love to speak the truth. Toilet paper. Over, under. Yeah, right? Scary. Over, under. One, two, three. Over. 
That's pretty unified there as well. Good. You know, <coughs> there's fun division. There's real division. My kids complain about long division. And we always need the unity of the Spirit. Romans 15, 5, that's where we're going, okay? Now, may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement. Okay, stop there for a second. The verses just before talk about how that God gives perseverance and encouragement. So go back and read those sometime. There's different ways of doing this, and they are mentioned at different times in scriptures in different ways, but the way that it's just been spoken of here is that um, perseverance and encouragement are given through the reading of the scriptures. Now, when you are receiving assurance uh, about receiving perseverance and, and encouragement, you know that we're getting to the honesty side of the Christian life. If you're going to get it, perseverance and encouragement, that presupposes that you are going to need it. There is something about life that requires perseverance. You are going to live through things that will need, that you will need encouragement to get through. So realize it up front. You are going to need to overcome. You're going to need to bear up under. And you're going to need to come through into one. Please be ready so that you don't give up. Perseverance, encouragement, and he grant you to be of the same mind. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to agree on every single thing, whether it's toilet paper or pop or pets, or whether it's even theology. There is room for difference in theological belief, which is part of the beauty of the Christian Missionary Alliance, which is the denomination that we're a part of. We don't have to agree on every single thing, but the one theological point that we all agree on here is that Jesus must be the center. When he is in the center, then we are family. And then we can disagree about other things. We can have a different mind about other things because we have the same mind about that which is most important. So with one, with one another, according to Christ Jesus. So that's the, the, the centerpiece of it all, according to Christ Jesus. So that with one accord, with one accord, uh, with one mind, together, you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Together we can agree and declare in such a way that we do what Jesus calls us to do, and that is to bring glory to God the Father. Okay, that sounds super religious. So let me try and change the words a little bit for you to try and bring it to life. Let me adjust the language for the sake of clarity. Focus on the key thing, getting along with one another, so that you can make your dad happy. What parent here can relate to that idea? A parent can have a great relationship with one child, but it's a whole other level when you hear, when you overhear your kids getting along together. You're in the other room, and you say to your spouse, stop, just stop for a second, quiet for a moment. Do you hear that? Oh, I love it when they get along and they work together. For God to say, mm, these are my kids, and I love them all so much. This is just beautiful. 
That's one of the ways that just in our living, we give God glory. That's a way that we can shine back understanding to him. Your personal relationship with Jesus is fantastic, tremendously important. But, but we, the whole Trinity, uh, love it when our kids are putting the effort in and letting love grow all around with one accord. This is the word that we teased you about earlier. It's awesome. I'm going to tell you it, and it's awesome in all of its geekness and all of its Greekness. Here it comes, all right? It's a word that you're going to say every day from now on. That word is homothumadon, right? So glad that you were here. So say it together with me so that we can all sound really intelligent today. Homothumadon. Homothumadon. Now, this is what we would call a compound word. Words together, and they make a puzzle. Here's the puzzle. See if you can solve it, okay? Homo means one or the same or single. Thumadon comes from thumos. But wait a second. When we work through the New Testament and you look, everywhere that thumos exists is where it's describing a human experience, it is translated rage or anger. But it's not even the normal word for anger, which would be orge. Thumos is like an off-the-charts anger, rage, wild rage, the incredible Hulk wild rage machine. So wait, 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 wait. How does the word for absolutely unbridled angry fury, when you, when you partner it with the word for one, become the word for togetherness and unity? That's a good question. And I'm so glad that you asked it, because I'm going to tell you. Thumos gets translated as rage because that's what it can mean. But it really goes back even farther to a word that means heavy breathing. So homothumadon, homo one plus thumos, heavy breathing or exertion, a great effort, passion. So it's the sounds you make under great effort. What kind of heavy breathing sound would you make if you were straining and struggling? What kind of sound would you make if you were straining or struggling? Okay. <laughs> Obviously not straining that hard. But when thumos is by itself, it's a, it's a heavy breathing towards someone else, snorting at them. The noise that you would make as you charge into battle or into close hand-to-hand -hand combat. Your battle noise is like, right? You go into battle fairly frequently. You do this all the time. That kind of one-on-one, -on -one, when you do martial arts, they teach you those breathing moves so that you can release it like, when you hear it in tennis, right? You hear that all the time, the battle noises, heavy breathing. And so in that, it becomes the word that the Greeks would use to describe an unbridled rage, heavy breathing, like a growl, a roar. When thumos is by itself, it's one person against another. When you partner it with homo, it actually now means more than one person 
coming together with shared, with single, or with one effort. So homothumadon therefore means many people coming together to exert their energy <coughs> and their passion to accomplishing the same thing. It's heavy breathing, but it's heavy breathing in unison to accomplish a shared passion. It's the collective grunt of a team of tug of war or in rugby scrum or trying to lift something heavy. So, work on some language translation. Uh, let's try to make some noises together, okay? Make a loud, heavy breathing, grunting noise together that will give us an accurate translation of ancient Greek to English 2017, okay? Here it is, the grunting together noise. We're trying to lift the heavy table. We're trying to win a tug of war. What is that noise that you will make together? A little bit more passion. You're translating. You're translating language there, and you're getting the idea. So, that homothumadon word is used here and elsewhere. That's what God wants for all of his kids. We're saying that unity is not just showing up together at the same time. You know, like seven minutes after 10 on a Sunday morning. See, we're together. It's not just being on the same elevator. It's not just being assigned the same religion class that you hope that there's no final exam for. It's a group of people saying, unity is so important to me. This whole plan of doing life together is so important to me that I am willing to do the hard work of making it happen. That means not waiting for somebody else to make it happen. It's a group of people saying, even though it hurts me, I'm going to lay down my pride and I'm going to apologize first. I'm going to be quick to say, I'm sorry, and to say it not like you're Canadian, but like you're a Christian. Sorry, or I'm sorry. I'm going to be quick to say, I forgive you, because I understand that offenses happen, and I've offended many times, and so I can forgive yours. I'm going to be quick to, even when it's uncomfortable, to initiate a conversation with a person that I don't know. I'm going to be quick to be the one who's going to be able to see that someone who's on the outside of the group needs some care and they need to be pulled into the group. It's that conscious sense that when I'm standing with my friends and we're in a circle formation that we should always have in our mind, that circle should be open. Someone should change their body position so that the circle is never closed, so that if there's someone on the outside, we are free, welcoming, welcoming and watching for that person to join our circle. There are physical things that we can do that create this kind of a message. You can constantly have it in your head by adjusting the way that you behave so that you will realize that you have the power, whether it's your first week or you've been here for 10 years. There's not many of you who have been here for 10 years. That you can be able to welcome somebody in because whether you know it or not, your welcoming is part of the atmosphere of this place. So whether you've been trained to welcome someone or you just do it because the Spirit of God is prompting you and you can sense that, 
You were doing what we need to do to make that come to life. I'm not going to just show up. I'm going to work hard at oneness on the surface level, but on the subsurface level too. Now this homothumadon, the working together, putting great effort into working together to bring about unity is one of the great privileges and responsibilities of being in the kingdom of God. It's one of the travel expectations and requirements of being on this road trip in earnest pursuit of Christ, of being part of this fellowship of the King. We would like to be a church that calls all of us to this, a physical manifestation of the living out of what we believe. We believe in into one, the coming together. So I must physically behave in such a way that I open that. And I must spiritually display (coughs) that openness as well. But let's be honest. The best way for this to happen is in a more intimate setting. It's not just here. This is part of the function and purpose of Into Sunday Night. Have you signed up yet? If you haven't, please do it. You can meet with Bob and Deanna Harvey, who are right here, the beautiful couple, I know you all thought I was talking about you, but I'm talking about them. Uh, Meet with them at the end of the service. Tell them, yes, I'm planning on coming Sunday, September 17th, from 6 until 8. You don't get to stay forever. 6 until 8. Take that step. Do something physically to connect. Tough it out. Sign up. The, The plan going forward is that they would meet every other Sunday until November the 26th. This is where we would love to see Homothumadon thrive. Not only there, but this is one key location <coughs> that we can approach together. Now, this part's not the goal, but it's better to sign up and come once a month than to say, I don't know if I'll be able to make it every time, so I won't go at all. Better to come some than none. <coughs> Excuse me. I told you I wasn't going to get excited, but I can't help it. Sign up. Be known by someone else. Get to know someone else. Let's not just be the kind of together that says, hey, I showed up on a Sunday morning. What more do you want of me? We want you to be known. We want you to be loved. And it's really hard to do that on Sunday mornings alone. My joy, and I believe your joy, would be for you to say, I'm here. I'm really here. I'm here and I'm fully here with my time, with my treasure, with my talent. Participate in the great homothumadon that is the body of Christ. (coughs) Pray with me. Sorry. Heavenly Father, thank you for coming to us through Christ. Thanks for breaking down the dividing walls, for breaking those barriers. Forgive us for re raising those barriers. Thank you for calling us and making us into one. Thank you for infusing us with your spirit. 
that is moving us towards that, that beautiful oneness that you long for us to arrive at. I pray that you would give us the strength and the encouragement and the conviction that we need to move forward and to not just stay stuck. I pray that this church would grow healthy because we are submitted to the leading of your Spirit. Holy Spirit, speak to us. We want to listen. Train us in discerning that we might follow you well. I am excited and I look forward to the good things that you are doing and that what you will do among us. Thanks. In your name I pray. Amen. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. And I do not give as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ah, it's better when you're here. It's better when we're together. It's better when we're going to work together to make it be what Jesus died to ensure that it could be. As you go, remember the church doesn't stay here. You take church where you go. We are sending you from here to go and take that to somebody else who needs to know, which is kind of everybody. They all need to experience more of Jesus, and you might be the closest they ever get. So remember, we are Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered. We are mission-focused so that wherever we go, everywhere, all the time, everyone, we are on mission. <laughs>